The ships arriving in the port of Baltimore are getting bigger. As the ships get bigger, we need to be able to operate on those ships. Across the country, port authorities are buying new equipment to unload and move cargo, with help from the government. In 2022, we received the, the most recent batch of superpost Panamax cranes that will be able to handle up to a 16,000 TEU or 20 equivalent unit uh, container ship. The White House set aside $21 billion to improve America's ports. With federal funds up for grabs, ports in mid-sized cities like Baltimore are ready to grow. This is one of the oldest ports in the country, one of the best ports in the country. It's a good location for serving a good chunk of the U.S. It's losing a little bit of market share right now to places like Savannah's Brunswick Terminal as the population moves south. The investments at ports across the country may help the U.S. adapt to emerging global trade patterns. The United States actually lags many ports around the world in terms of efficiency. You need to have the railroads, you need to have good roads, you need to have good warehouses to move those products in, and more importantly, move our exports out. How is the infrastructure bill reshaping America's ports? And where is the money going? Ports America manages equipment at over 42 seaports in the United States. In partnership with the state of Maryland, they've put $550 million toward upgrades for Seagirt Marine Terminal at the Port of Baltimore since 2010. And to do that in partnership with them, we'll invest our private money, but also with uh, grants that are appropriate for the, uh, for the federal government. Mark Schmidt is general manager at Ports America Chesapeake. He oversees a group of about 1,000 workers on a typical day. So the activities that take place on the terminal uh, fall under my uh, area of responsibility. So there's a lot of infrastructure opportunities to upgrade in the terminal. The most significant one is electrification. Our equipment and infrastructure on the terminal is being improved to support electrification of all of our equipment, including the cranes you see in the background. The four new cranes in Baltimore were manufactured in China by ZPMC. The company makes most of the world's new ship-to-shore cranes. These ones are 450 feet tall, weigh about 1,700 tons, and are helping Baltimore unload cargo at a record pace. They look like those space war, you know, kind of machines. We have to have the ship-to-shore cranes. Longshoremen on the port move about 30 boxes into the yard every hour in a heavily automated process. It's a very big equipment, heavy equipment, that takes a lot of uh, battery strength to, to run our needs. Consumer goods primarily flow through these cranes at Seagirt Marine Terminal and off of boats at Dundalk Marine Terminal. This is a, a Roro ship that has um, roll-on, roll-off cargo, anything from uh, automobiles to John Deere tractors, combines, those sort of things. For years, Baltimore's port has handled the most cars and light trucks of any in the U.S. The port and all of its activity generates roughly $395 million in taxes annually. In 2023, Baltimore received a $47 million federal grant to build an additional berth, or dock, for rolling cargo and kickstart an offshore wind manufacturing hub, among other improvements. Meanwhile, the Army Corps of Engineers is deepening the waterways that lead into Baltimore. Upgrades like these are long overdue, according to maritime economists. Maritime commerce is critical towards the health and vitality of the American economy and has been since our founding. 
Between 2020 and 2050, freight volume will grow by 50% in tonnage. To uh, support that trade at that level, obviously there's got to be densification of our yards and more efficient ways to manage the truck flows. Idle trucks are one of many issues in the competitive shipping business. So when you look at a port, you need to think of it as a gateway. It's about the waterway. It's about the railway. It's about the roadway. All the distribution centers and warehouses and all of that. If everything in the gateway isn't balanced, they become a bottleneck. I mean, during the middle of COVID, the height of COVID, we needed somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% more additional warehousing. That's significant. So looking at inland ports, addressing our warehousing capacity issues. These are all things that we need to do to prepare for tomorrow. In the 2020s, the ports of New York and New Jersey broke records, while their peers on the West Coast struggled. East Coast ports, including the Gulf of Mexico, those ports all saw a dramatic increase in containers because the West Coast ports could not handle the volume and you had months of delays of vessels. All of the ports on the East Coast are upgrading their infrastructure and capacity. And what that does is it makes it more attractive to the ocean carriers. A small group of shipping container companies determine which ports get the most global traffic. MSC, Maersk, Evergreen, and Zim. They're the largest container customers for Ports America Chesapeake in Baltimore. They like to be able to go in and out of a port very quickly and they like to go to several ports. Now, when you're looking at the smaller ports, the mid-sized ports, look at the port of Norfolk, look at Baltimore, look at Savannah. Those ports have land to grow. The governments on the East Coast are far more proactive in terms of building out infrastructure than on the West Coast. I moved to Savannah five years ago. At the time, there was less than 60 million square feet of industrial real estate we will have in five years doubled the industrial real estate in Savannah, and it's still not enough. The same goes for Charleston, and the same thing goes for, for Norfolk. So how is Baltimore planning to compete for the future? Officials say the first step is building more railroads and distribution centers. Running containers from Baltimore to other places by train is very difficult. CSX owns many of the freight rail tracks running through the Mid-Atlantic, which includes Baltimore. The problem is, is that CSX could not get a double-stacked container train out. The Howard Street Tunnel and a few bridges beyond that were a little too low to allow the double-stacked containers to go from there to Chicago or, or wherever. With substantial assistance from the government, the company is clearing 23 bottlenecks along the route on this map. Most major ports have a double stack capacity, so improving the Howard Street Tunnel, for instance, in Baltimore City, allowing the double stack capacity will improve our flow of cargo from the terminal to the Midwest. The project is expected to cost about $466 million, financed with private investment alongside state and federal dollars, and opened by 2025. Even going into the bipartisan infrastructure law, the federal government and state governments and local governments were investing significantly more in our ports, coupled with the private sector, which is critical, not just to Maryland, but the entire economy. The port investments are part of a wider government plan to rebuild America's industrial base. We're the single provider of container service in Baltimore. And so that allows us to work closely with the government. 
The Howard Street Tunnel is a good example of that working together. Everyday Americans stand to benefit from these investments. Ports and maritime stakeholders employ nearly 31 million Americans and contribute $5.4 trillion to the economy annually. In Baltimore, trucks will be routed directly to highways, making neighborhoods near the ports safer. And the efficient movement of goods will keep prices down in grocery stores and gas pumps across the country. You know, when people talk about the inflation we look at, we're going to see it's the domestic flows that have to be fixed and improved. And uh, the only criticism I have of our infrastructure bill is that it acts as if, you know, America doesn't make anything and everything we buy comes from abroad. And uh, if you look at the industrial production indices, etc., we still make a ton of stuff. We just don't make the same things that we made before, you know. The port is important to the president because that's where our GDP is generated. The exports are a huge generator of jobs. We understand the dynamic that maybe onshoring some of those activities would be important from a policy perspective. What that does is also gets the message out to a larger audience on, on hey, Baltimore is well positioned for your business and we're ready to grow.